As I was taking a look at my results and learnings from my time so far as an online creator, I asked Ayla, my girlfriend, who is also a graphic designer and owner of the design firm Pixelshin and Cotton and creator of my website, if we could take a look at my Google Analytics so far, which we set up a couple months ago for my website and blog. As it turns out, we had used the wrong one of a couple of long numerical codes uh, to enter in, and so no data had yet been gathered. <laughs> but as of now, it should be collecting data that will be really helpful going forward. And this is just to illustrate that it is a learning curve to say the least. Luckily, I do have some other data about the various services I've been using, and I'll be sharing that along with my key learnings and resources I've found helpful so far. I hope this will prove useful for other aspiring creators, whether they be bloggers, vloggers, YouTubers, podcasters, or some other media, as well as provide insights for others who may be consumers or students of such resources. So hi, this is Blythe Stevens of A Blythe Coach, dance education and coaching to move through life with balance, grace, and power. This podcast includes weekly bite-sized insights on dance, yoga, well-being, creativity, and joy. Today in episode 52, I'm sharing 10 things I have learned from one year as a creator. Now, as long as I've been reading blogs, which is at least since 2005 with Zen Habits, if not earlier, and as long as I've been watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, the teacher in me has wanted to learn how to use these means to convey what I know. Ever since I began building an international network of friends, students, and clients, I've also understood the value of online communication and collaboration. I think we can all appreciate that. But my coaching credential, which was a mix of in-person and telephone meetings, as well as my teaching credential in particular, which was hybrid in nature with many classes over Zoom, taught me more about online teaching. And it was also there that I was introduced to UDL, or the Universal Design for Learning, and the value of providing multiple means of engagement, action, and expression for students, and as well as representation to serve all learners. I've been working since then to integrate these methods into my own teaching practice, making it more inquiry-based, student-centered, diverse, and accessible. My move to Germany naturally also developed further flexibility in communicating through languages and other means in person and across distances. Then, 18 months into my experience teaching dance in Europe, global pandemic hit in the form of COVID-19. How terrifying that was on a very physical and as, a, as existential level as a threat to our health as well as to our social and financial well-being. Suddenly, we were all wearing masks, rationing toilet paper, disinfecting everything, and events and classes were being canceled in favor of quarantines to limit the spread. We worried about our well-being and that of our friends and loved ones, and wondered how to carry on, how would we get by. For a while, we were simply shut down, and I used that time to plot possible next steps, and the studios I work with were also scrambling to problem solve, to learn skills and set up equipment and systems to try to keep serving our students, teaching and interacting as suddenly online businesses. 
I remember one yoga teacher credential training weekend when we had to cancel the second day of the weekend and I had suggested maybe we could still continue on Zoom and another student said, oh no, that couldn't work, <laughs> which is so laughable to think of that that early resistance that we came up against uh, in light of what's happened since then. And that is that we were soon able to start providing online classes everywhere that I was teaching and learning, thankfully, and everyone had to jump on board and learn the skills to become effective online teachers, both live and synchronous on Zoom, as well as on video through YouTube and other portals. So speaking of YouTube, you could say for me, it all started with YouTube, this creator journey, so to speak, just about as long as I've loved watching YouTube videos for how many years now, <laughs> I'm afraid to think. I've toyed with the idea of starting my own channel in, in, in earnest. I started to casually put up a few choreography videos while I was in graduate school for my MFA and also use it in my teaching starting at that time, especially at Kaiser High School and the Movement Center, recording progress on choreography by and for students and to help them improve their works. In the fall of 2019, pretty early on in my time here, I met a filmmaker on an expats and cologne board, and he created a beautiful trailer for my teaching, a trailer video, which then on March 10th, 2020, I shared my own um, personally made by me tutorial called ankle ABCs to support my students who were now quarantined at home and keeping up their strength and flexibility. Since those early videos, I've posted 137 videos to the channel, having started off po posting a little bit sporadically and focusing on lives, then ramping up to producing two to three videos per week, and now consistently uploading one video each week. None of my videos have yet gone viral, but a few have been gaining traction, and I hope serving people along the way, including the port bras story video, which has gotten 809 views, the ballet second port bras video, which has 651 videos and um, views, and the seven movements of ballet video, which has 472 views as of this time. There's now 59 subscribers to the Abe Life Coach YouTube channel, almost 60, we're aiming for 100, and then 1,000 where we'll have even more possibilities. And that makes for a combined total of 112 hours of public watch time, which is pretty exciting. But for context, in order to access services such as YouTube Lives and other opportunities as well as to monetize the channel. A creator must amass a thousand subscribers and 4,000 public watch hours. So we're on the way. In the blog version of this one year as a creator celebration and reflection, I'm going to include more information about the equipment that I use for filming, editing, recording sound, etc. And that way you can have links to those sorts of resources as well. But here I'm just going to move on and talk about the podcast which followed. So I published my first podcast episode, Finding a Grounded State of Being for Dance and Life on April 30th, 2020. At that time, I was trying to determine what my students and clients needed most, as well as what I myself longed for, and I decided a sense of groundedness and stability in that 
rocky terrain and in that turmoil would be a good place to start. Part of my impetus to start the podcast when I did was my yoga teacher training. Another thing that it's amazing we managed to accomplish last year and the desire to grow that part of my life and my teaching business. I wanted a little bit more accountability and reading and digesting the required texts to get the most out of them and to share my key learnings with my existing audience of students. Using the insights for my own enrichment and for the needed credit in the certification program was was all well and good, but it would be even better if I could immediately use that to benefit others. In fact, my early podcasts were just spoken drafts of later essays on my key learnings about yoga and the teaching and learning process, and I also wanted it to be a free place to play with ideas that span the various disciplines I love to apply knowledge to dance, yoga, creativity, and life. And I love that freedom that the podcast provided. I'm excited that I have a couple of regular listeners, but I've discovered that since it's not a search engine like YouTube and it doesn't sort of promote organic traffic to come in, um, this experience and the wisdom of others has shown me it can be a particularly slow place to build an audience. Still, the process of producing the podcast supports my other creations, such as the blog and videos, and I enjoy podcasts so much myself that I want to keep producing and expanding on this idea. I've also followed the YouTube channel and the podcast with experimenting with Acerin and asynchronous online courses. Those are ones you can take anytime. I created my first course, a free course on Teachable called Finding a Grounded State of Being that also serves as the current freebie or lead magnet on my website. And I'll continue to create online courses and curricula either through Teachable or other platforms such as through email sequences and things. And I'm curious, what's your favorite way to engage in online courses? Of course, Along with those asynchronous classes, I'm also teaching live online courses. Up until now, actually, Germany is not open yet again. So we are still teaching online on Zoom. And I've got experience scheduling using a service called Live Fitstream for drop-in group classes, using Calendly for private consultation scheduling, private classes and coaching sessions as well as figuring out whether it's best to receive payment through PayPal, through LiveFitStream, through Patreon, or ConvertKit Commerce. <laughs> These have all been part of my experimentation. And while I haven't had any success gaining patrons on Patreon, I do have students now enrolled in automatic monthly unlimited class payment plans on ConvertKit Commerce, and that is proving super convenient on both sides. So I'm really excited to expand on that going forward. Teaching and filmmaking at the same time, as well as DJing, is very complex, and I'll probably need to follow this up with another blog post and more reflection on the online teaching experience as a whole and specific facets of that. But alongside all of that, I have also been setting up social media profiles for my business as well, as that's another really convenient place for students and community to meet up. And up till this point, I have a professional Facebook page, which has 370 likes, yay, and a pretty new professional Instagram page that has reached 62 followers up to this point. 
So I wanted to share 10 key learnings from all of this experience that I've gathered in a whirlwind in the last year through trial and error and through the very generous sharing of others as to their process. And the first takeaway, that first key learning that I have for you is to just start. If you have any interest in creating something and being a creator in one of these realms, whether it is to create a podcast or a blog or to start writing, just do it. Research alone will not make you a creator, and some things you must learn through that critical trial and error. It's awkward, it's painful, I know. But learn as you go, and don't worry about it being too late or having somehow missed the boat on this. Part of me wished that I had started these channels and these avenues sooner. But the other part believes in divine timing and that everything happens when it's meant to. And I'm super glad, on the other hand, that I didn't wait any longer than I did to get going because now I have this experience under my belt and can build from there. The second key takeaway or learning kernel of knowledge that I've gathered is that taking video and sound recording soon becomes more comfortable and less awkward. Uh, although I was excited to share and, and have a teaching and performance background experience in that way, it was still super scary and outside of my comfort zone to be regularly recording myself and having to experience my voice, my image, my mistakes all over again in the editing process. But through repeated <laughs> exposure and just getting more comfortable with it, I've gotten a lot more accustomed and at ease with recording myself and, and seeing and hearing myself recorded. Thank goodness. <laughs> Number three, this is a big one. As I've discovered, there's tons of free training available online to help you discover the tools, equipment, and skills you need to create what you want to create, whether it's a YouTube channel, a blog, a podcast, a course, a community, or even to publish a book. There are webinars. There are YouTube videos and YouTube is really key. It's provided a great resource for me to learn how existing bloggers and YouTubers and other creators do it. Some of my favorites, and again, these will be linked in the blog version, include Gillian Perkins, Amanda McKinney, and the Marketing Yoga with Confidence podcast, as well as the Connected Yoga Teacher podcast, Melissa Griffin, Courtney Carver of the Be, Be More With Less blog, the Minimalists, Matt Diavella, Adrian Mischler, and those are specific individuals, but I've also gotten turned on to a couple of services and organizations that have been super valuable too, and those are ConvertKit, especially their podcast called The Future Belongs to Creators, which was all about taking the anxiety and stress that we were having at the beginning of the pandemic and funneling it, channeling it into creativity super key. And they provide free trainings and a free email marketing software for up to a thousand subscribers, as well as Teachable, which I mentioned is where my free mini course is hosted. And they do also provide courses and resources for course creators. And part of the things that the, the key learnings I got from them was to share everything you know. So to go ahead and 
take any domains in which you have experience and knowledge and start sharing because there is someone out there who can benefit from that knowledge. Number four, although there's lots of free resources out there and you should avail yourself of them, it also helps to hire or get support from specific professionals with some key pieces such as a website and other technical requirements which are not your specialty. As I discussed with Virginia Holty, who is the founder of the West Hawaii Dance Theater, which is a nonprofit organization in Podcast 50, For them, a graphic designer, and for me as well, as well as help with um, the financial side, with bookkeeping, with taxes, are really important professionals to employ to provide a positive first impression, whether you're a solo entrepreneur, a medium-sized corporation, or even a nonprofit. So judiciously spending or investing in those sorts of very professional tools, websites, and tracking can be really great. Number five, give, give, give. And this is something I've learned specifically from Amanda McKinney and Marketing Yoga with Confidence is that In social media media marketing in particular, as well as in YouTube, it's all about providing free content, free value as much as possible and knowing and trusting that that service that you're providing will impact others and that they will spread the word and that that will eventually result in success and profit for you. But it starts with giving, giving, giving. And it does take time to build that consistency, that trust, that reliability in order to grow an audience. I personally am committed to reaching the folks who need my content and message, but I understand that that's not an overnight phenomenon. No matter how excellent or experienced we may be in our fields, there are specific skills of marketing that take a lot of practice and it helps for us to come from a very generous mindset of sharing and um, not so much looking for what can we get out of this transaction. Number six, this whole process of sharing and being really transparent about the process and and how what my work looks like from different angles has been indeed a great outlet for my anxiety. And I'm so grateful that I have managed to this point to remain healthy and to use the impetus of, of being quarantined, being locked down, having to use these online tools to take action on existing intentions that I had to create and share my process. So that's something I wanted to do, I intended to do, but as a teaching artist and coach, writing and video and providing those sorts of resources to my students has been a really great personal and professional outlet for me. Number seven, working in public like this and sharing the process as well as the products that I hope will be valuable for others has provided a very high level of accountability and inspiration to act on those declared projects, which I usually have many of. And I do often jump into new endeavors with a lot of energy and enthusiasm, but that can wane with time. And I believe I have followed through with what I declare more powerfully than ever, knowing that in this case, when I've said what I would do, someone might actually be watching. 
And this is an addition, number eight, provided a great sense of connection to global community. That sort of connection is possible through our work online. And working with clients and students internationally has been such a huge blessing to me during this time. I've been able to get close or um, stay close with existing students, also reconnect with former students and clients, as well as meet new people, build my network uh, at this time. And it's really helped me feel better connected, less lonely, and like we're all still moving forward together. Number nine, on the subject of connection. Social media is great, um, but while studying marketing and, and online business and social media and all of that sort of thing, one thing that's become clear to me is that email is super important. And I sort of had to reinvent my whole relationship to email as it happens. As it turns out, email is the only platform for which you quote, own your audience. So unlike with social media, Facebook or Instagram, if those programs were to disappear for some reason, sadly, I would lose all of those connections. I don't have access to the contacts automatically anymore. As soon as Facebook closed down, it's gone. However, with email, we can continue to connect through other avenues if that one email provider <laughs> were to not work out. I still have the, the access to that, that person and the ability to connect with them regardless. So email has become increasingly important to me and I started a regular weekly email newsletter inviting friends, family, and colleagues to join. And I currently have 81 subscribers and will continue to focus on serving them as they are my most engaged students and clients and in a sense serve as a sort of board of directors helping me steer and, and find the path for my business and my teaching going forward. And finally, number 10 accessibility of online publishing in all of these different ways has allowed an accumulation of my online work and is making bigger goals such as the publishing of articles and books in the future feel a lot more attainable. Creating a blog naturally followed my YouTube channel and podcast. Uh, once I had a beautiful website up, I knew that posting there regularly would help tie together all the other disparate bits of media and provide a landing page for potential students and clients that represents all the work I'm currently doing as well as my past projects. And it's really neat to see the blog posts bit by bit pile up and, and to really have a body of work that is represented there. It's hard to believe that I already have a year of podcasting, YouTubing, newsletter writing, and blogging, as well as social media under my belt. And I've definitely gotten a lot more comfortable with all of these over the past year, but I continue to make mistakes. Um, but I'm really grateful. Overall, I'm super grateful to have been able to ride that energy of anxiety during pandemic and to have the motivation to pursue these ways of both self-expression and contribution. It was a really scary time and I know we each coped in our own ways, so this is how I did. And um, I'm really curious to hear what, if you're going to 
dream of becoming a creator? What is it that you dream of creating and how can I support you along the way? So stay tuned for more. Come visit me on the website at ablythecoach.com. That's A-B-L-Y-T-H-E-C-O-I-C-H.com. Thanks so much for joining me and I'll see you next time.